podcast sponsor Work Matters is offering their seven pillars of faith and work, which provides a framework for how to live God's purpose in your work as a free download at their website, workmatters.org. That's workmatters.org. Welcome to I Work Rim this afternoon as we are celebrating Christmas week. We're so excited that we're celebrating Christmas week right here with Tony Dale, right from his headquarters in Austin, Texas. So grateful to be here. But Martha, before we get started with our show today with Tony Dale, why don't you tell people a little about how they can end their year helping out I Work For Him? That's right, Jim. As the end of the year approaches, we know a lot of people are trying to make some last minute decisions about their um, giving for 2018. And um, we just want to encourage people that if they feel like I work for him is something that they um, align with, want to see it um, expand more people to hear the message of that their work matters to God and that they are a minister in the kingdom, that they can go to our website, iworkforhim.com. And there we have a donate donate button and they can go there and they can make a one-time gift or set up themselves for a recurring for 2019. Um, you know, look at, look at what God has in store for you and see how you may be able to partner with us to um, expand the kingdom. That's iworkforhim.com. I work the number four, him.com. And just thanks for tuning in all over Jacksonville, all over the first coast, all over Tampa Bay, from Ocala to Fort Myers and all the way over to Disney. So how do we develop habits of generosity? You know, if we haven't seen it demonstrated while growing up, who do we watch as we grow older in order to learn it? Is a generous spirit and a lifestyle of generosity characteristic of a Christ follower? Are all Christ followers supposed to be generous? Here to parse through all of this with us today is Tony Dale, founder of the Karis Group and Sidera Health here in Austin, Texas, as we broadcast from his world headquarters for today's show. Tony Dale, we want to thank you so much for your support of I Work For Him in 2018, and thank you so much for your friendship and being willing to be on I Work For Him today, this Christmas week. It's a pleasure. Uh, I view it as an honor to be uh, enjoying these interviews with you month by month uh, and to watch what the Lord is doing through I Work For Him. Mm. It's been a lot of fun, a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Jim, a lot of fun? It has. I just, it's been great because your stories, Tony, you always come up with some incredible story of how the Lord is working. So why don't you talk about how the, you've seen the Lord work in your work life recently. As you end 2018, what's one of the most significant things you've seen God do here in your work life here at Sidera Health and the Karis Group? Well, 2018 has actually been an incredible year for us uh, in both companies, just watching uh, God at work. Uh, I entered the year knowing that we had major changes that were happening at the Keras Group. Uh, that's the first of our companies. I've been around for, I guess, at this point, uh, approaching 24 years. Uh, and we've, we find ourselves incredibly excited at what God's doing. Now, the most major of those changes was I knew we were going to need a new CEO, uh, that Mike Martin, our CEO of the last eight years, uh, was planning to retire. Uh, and we entered the year having had uh, a detailed process of finding the right person, which had fallen flat on its face. We just had not found someone. You know, what's amazing is that when we often think that we've got it figured out, uh, it is one of those things that you, we just have to submit to the Lord like, okay, Lord, we think we got this figured out. This is the process we're going to go through. But what, do, what does that look like? So if it fell flat on his face, I think you, we actually mentioned on a show earlier this fall that you, you had three amazing candidates and you were trying to figure out what, how did this all end up playing out? <clears throat> well, excuse me, coughing there. God is so faithful. Uh, 
We, we did. We had three amazing candidates, any one of the three of which would have been well-suited and qualified. Uh, but somehow you just know, you know, whether or not you found the right person yet. Mm -hmm. And there we were within, I would say, weeks of making a decision when God brought an unexpected, uh, I don't know what the right word is, uh, 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 answer to prayer. Yes, answer <laughs> to prayer. That's probably better than anything I was coming up with. Uh, my son, uh, who happens to work with John Eldridge over at Ransomed Heart, yes. uh, was here in Austin for an event. Uh, and while there, he enjoyed a, a delightful uh, sort of evening and meal uh, where he was sitting next to a young uh, executive from here in Austin. Just happened to be sitting next to this young executive <laughs> here in Austin. Uh, just happened. Don't, don't you love the way a God incident That's as opposed right. to a coincidence yes. works? Amen. Uh, and he contacted me afterwards and he said, Dad, you've got to meet this uh, young man. Uh, fascinating what he's up to. And he is, uh, uh, you know, he's, he's leading his own company. It's part of a startup. Uh, and so I'm, I'm sure he's not looking for anything, mm. but maybe he would be open. Well, maybe he turned out to be God's will. Uh, mm. I reached out to him. We had lunch together. Uh, everything clicked extraordinarily rapidly. Uh, and in the most amazing way, he's been able to uh, switch his focus from uh, something that he had been doing for the last four years uh, very quickly to be free to take over and uh, actually formally begins as our CEO uh, on January the 1st, although he's been working here with us right. uh, in, a, in a transition phase with our old CEO. But it was true. I mean, he wasn't looking for work, but he had been praying to the Lord specifically. He was, he was seeking the Lord for direction. And, and, and he didn't know what the direction was, yet when he met you, he understood. Mm. God's timing is extraordinary. You know, so sometimes as, you know, different parties are coming together in God's economy, he's already prepared their hearts in a variety of ways. And I would say that was exactly what happened here. When uh, I met with Zach, uh, uh, I, I knew very quickly, here, here is a man not only after God's own heart and the way it describes David, uh, but uh, who I could see also shared uh, our heart and vision for what the Caris group was to become. Mm. You know, and one of the things that I think is so neat is when um, we look back at maybe even jobs we've had, experiences we've had, and how God lined up all of those experiences for such a time as now. And uh, you, you really saw that in his experience and just the, the way that um, he's equipped for this next phase of, of uh, opportunity that the next year and the years to come will bring. Martha, that's absolutely the case. I mean, when uh, I looked at his resume, saw his experience and his background, but more importantly, his journey of faith. Mm. Uh, I just said, thank you, Lord. Yeah. This is exactly what we've been praying towards for the last three years. Excellent. But, but God didn't give you that answer three years early, didn't give you the answer two years early, didn't give the answer one year early, didn't give it to you five months early, four <laughs> months early. He gave it to you. Right. I mean, on you had a deadline on time. Yeah, Isn't that annoying? It is annoying. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, he didn't give it to you way ahead of time. I mean, you literally were at the wire. You know, I, I have no idea, <clears throat> excuse me, why the Lord works in that fashion, but uh, so often that is the case. And I think one of the things it does is it forces us into a dependence on him. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, it would have been easy uh, to 
take one of the people that I had been looking for, uh, because they were good people. Uh, but that wasn't what God had in store. Uh, and I had to learn to be patient and really to listen to the Holy Spirit and not to rush the process. Uh, and now as we look at what God's provided, you know, you, you look back and you say, oh, my goodness, you know, yes, those others would have been good. But uh, God's provided something that we just believe to be absolutely great. Mm. It's, it's humbling to know that God cares about those intimate details of our businesses if we will seek him for those answers. And that's really what you've gone through. You had, you were seeking the Lord for three years, and a lot of people would have given up a long time ahead of time. How how was Mike Martin as you were getting close to that those dates? I mean, was he thinking, "I don't want to have to work in the January"? I mean, what was what were you guys doing as you guys were praying together? How was those, how were those conversations that you were waiting for the Lord to deliver? Well, you you know, at, at some stage, I hope you get a chance to interview Mike and to talk through from his perspective the whole idea of transition, because yeah. uh, obviously when you've been leading something as he has for eight years and done a fantastic job, uh, there, there's a part of you that doesn't want to let oh, go. Absolutely. Uh, but uh, he was also very aware that the timing was right. Uh, and I think we were watching and saying, well, Lord, we're so down to the wire. How, how do we get an effective transition? How do we uh, ha- have the team prepared? How do we make sure that there's a smooth handover? Uh, little could we have imagined that uh, when you just get the right person, it, it all works ideally. Mm. And from my perspective, it's been an absolute delight watching Mike Martin not only prepare himself for changes in his life, uh, but prepare the path for the person who is going to take his place here. When we ran into Mike in Lubbock, Texas back in October, he promised us that after everything was transitioned, he promised us that he'd come on in the air and share a little of that story. So we got that to look forward to, to it, Mike, in 2019. 2019. <laughs> That's right. I work for him broadcasting from the world headquarters of the Sedera Health and the Karis Group. We're so grateful to be here with Tony Dale, one of our show's sponsors, just a great... Uh, partner here with I work for him and, and Tony I wanted to ask about some Christmas traditions as you grew up in England I just you know because a lot of us don't really know what how things are the same or how things are different growing up as a little kid in were you in London were you outside of London where were you uh, actually, most of my growing up was done in Taiwan, where my parents uh, were medical right. missionaries. So that makes it even a better question. So as a medical missionary in Taiwan, what was Christmas like there? Well, uh, my parents did everything I'm sure possible to uh, make it as English as they could, uh, because obviously we were in a completely different culture and Mm -hmm. they they wanted us to enjoy both the Chinese culture that we were there to serve, uh, but also to remember our own heritage. Uh, And Christmas was always uh, very important to us. I I, I think of all sorts of stories, but you know, one of the ones I remember most clearly uh, of my sort of young... uh, you know, growing up experience on the mission field of Christmas uh, was a Christmas where uh, on Christmas Eve, we still did not have a turkey uh, for uh, eating the next day. Uh, And, uh, you know, my my mom and dad were talking about it because it wasn't they couldn't afford a turkey or something. But uh, every year, uh, you know, a patient uh, had provided one because, you know, my dad was family doctor to all sorts of people. Uh, And uh, so he had never gone out to get one because always, you know, the Lord had provided through one of the patients. Now it's Christmas morning 
uh, and we still don't have a, a, a turkey. <laughs> uh, and so we're making last minute family plans and thinking, oh, well, it, we, we can probably get into, uh, you know, one of the American military clubs and just enjoy uh, whatever they prepared for Christmas lunch. Mm. Uh, but, you know, it's about 10 o'clock as we're making these plans and there's a knock at the door and a patient arrives with a cooked turkey. Oh, a my goodness. Boy. Everything prepared and ready. And, wow. you know, the very fact that it comes to mind, even as we're talking here, yeah. is just one of those many examples of how I watched in a family that really did depend on God mm -hmm. and how I saw God provide everything that we needed. Mm, that's fun. That's a fun story. It is. And, you know, I just think about, you know, we like to have, especially when we're thinking about Christmas, you think everything in order and all the plans made and all the grocery bought. But what a beautiful um, example of just trusting and waiting on the Lord. And and what a beautiful thing he provided. So as you reflect on Christmas and think about um you know, just are there other things that are you have seen now that you've been in America for years that are that you did differently um, in your in your raising up all your kids here? Yeah. Well, um, there, there okay. are things that uh, I would probably uh, describe as different. Mm -hmm. uh, and part of it is a function of growing up on the mission field. Mm. Uh, so, you know, we didn't have family around. Uh, it was just mom and dad and us three boys. Uh, but. Our household was the sort that was always open to, to anybody and everybody. Uh, so right from the start, I, I watched my parents practice hospitality, as it's described in the New Testament. Mm -hmm. our, our home was always overflowing with people who were staying, missionaries who were passing through. I mean, I had the privilege of sort of meeting people like Kari Ten Boom and Brother Andrew and wow. uh, folk like this that, uh, you know, were, were, were childhood heroes. Mm -hmm. uh, and... Uh, I, I think Christmas for us was, you know, more of a celebration uh, that just as God gave his son, uh, he also had given to us in every possible way. My, my dad's uh, medical clinic was different uh, because, you know, back in the 1950s, Taiwan was just emerging from being a sort of a third world country and trying to feel its way into uh, becoming a first world country. And there was a lot of change, a lot of rapid growth. Uh, he was one of the few uh, foreign physicians in Taipei, the capital city. Uh, so he had a very mixed clientele. Nearly all the ambassadors and their staff were his patients. Hmm. Uh, nearly all of the missionary community were his patients. Uh, most of the American uh, business uh, or diplomatic corps uh, were his patients, as were enormous numbers uh, of uh, Chinese living in Taipei uh, who were uh, at the very poor end of the spectrum. Uh, he used to describe his practice as a Robin Hood practice, that he would rob from the rich to, to, to <laughs> take care of the poor. And, and I would watch how this worked out and, and the, the love and attention that he really poured on everybody. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so for me, I, I had an incredible example uh, in, in mum and dad of what it really meant to live out your faith. And so 
Christmas was a fun, you know, enjoyed the presents, enjoyed looking forward to things, enjoyed the Christmas crackers, which I don't think are, are really an American tradition. No, they're not. You know, the, yes. the little thing that you pull and yes. it pops and yes. pulls, you know, out. Uh, our, our neighbors, we yes. did that once with our English neighbors. Uh, so, and, yeah. and so we still occasionally do that when our kids come over for yeah. Christmas. Uh, we, we, we like, you know, remembering the, yes. the British side of things. Uh, but, but those things... They're the trapping. They're, they're the mm-hmm. tinsel. Mm-hmm. The, the real meaning of Christmas for us was just in, incredibly and indelibly uh, imprinted in us by watching the way our parents gave all the time to those around them. You know, Jim, just a couple days after Christmas, it was when we are all tired and we're thinking, why did we do all the things we did during this holiday season? And um, let's just kind of take that and remember it for the next year and just say, you know, let's focus on. We could only hold our attention that long. Well, you put it on your calendar, put it in October 1st or something like that for next year to say, remember this year, I want to focus on the hospitality and the, and the uh, celebrating the people around us, as opposed to all the trappings, you know, and the trappings are fun and they're beautiful and they're sparkly and all of that. But, um, you know, we always, we get to a certain point in the year and we then say, why, why am I burning myself out? And I'm always so encouraged when I hear as a child, the things you remember are the people. Not all the not all the crazy um, details of life, but the the miracles that God did and the the people that gathered around. So if we can take that into next year, we'd be great. You know, Tony, one of the questions I was going to ask you is why did you want to talk about generosity? But you just gave the answer. Your Mm -hmm. parents lived generosity before you kids. I mean, it was they were demonstrating it all the time. Oh, oh, they absolutely did, Jim. Mm -hmm. And and were they Jesus followers, your folks? Well, as missionaries, I hope so. Well, I, you know, I didn't know what kind of missionary. Okay. Well, yes. Yes, you would hope we so. We wouldn't want to take those assumptions, but good uh, one. Th- yeah. th- they were not only Jesus followers. They they were passionate. Uh, they yeah. they came from a very well-known church in London called Honor Oak. Uh, it was the church that Watchman Nee was affiliated with when he spent time in England. Uh, so it was a church that really was a part of the British Deeper Life Movement or the Keswick uh, Movement mm-hmm. for those who happen to know the British background. Uh, and so absolutely, they, they were the sort of people who, who lived this. I mean, they consciously looked out for who might be on their own over Christmas. Uh, were there single missionaries who, you know, were likely to be miss- uh, missing everybody from home? Was there uh, a right. business person who was over here who, uh, you know, uh, through uh, no fault of their own, if that's the right word, you know, was going to find themselves on their own? And they were constantly looking at how, how do you give the ordinary Mm-hmm. Uh, now, of course, they went way beyond that. I also watched what they did with the limited finances that they had. And uh, I could not have had a better uh, experience, a, a better example of hospitality and of generosity mm-hmm. than just watching the way that my mom and dad thought. Uh, all the time, they were finding new ways to give. Uh, and the fascinating thing was, I watched that the more they gave, the more God provided. Mm. And that's, and he promises that, but, but he also says, Hey, if we're going to hoard it all for ourselves, then, you know, the pipe's going to get all clogged up. You're not going to get as much. When you look at this life of generosity that you saw demonstrated in your folks as medical professionals, I mean, they were not just generous with their money, but they're generous with their time. They're generous with the houses you've just described, but also generous with their medical practice. So that's what inspired you then to say, I want to be a doctor too. Is that, is that where that all came from? 
Yeah, I guess. I, I wasn't one of those who, you know, planned on, on being a, a jet pilot or, you know, a, a famous politician or whatever it might. Now, I did think about trying to be a, a, a football, a soccer professional, uh, but uh, I don't think I was very serious. Yeah. Uh, I think of, you know, times where I would go out with my dad on house calls and uh, just watch the, the way he worked with mm -hmm. patients. Uh, and I don't think I ever really wanted to be anything else other than a doctor. I, I just saw uh, the way he helped people. I saw the enormous respect and love that people had for him. Uh, and, and for me, it seemed very natural. I, I don't know why. Maybe that was something God put in my heart. Mm. I just never seriously considered anything outside of medicine. Hmm. I, I, you got to love it when your father and mother lay out a legacy and you actually you didn't run away from it. You're like, no. I want to be just like my dad. And, and that's really the life you've led. Now, God put a little, some twists and turns in there. We'll talk about those because you're not a, you're not a doctor here in the U S yet. You're still a doctor, but you're not a practicing doctor yet. You're transforming healthcare for the entire country. And we'll talk about that when we come back and we're going to talk lots more about generosity as we talk with Tony Dale today from his world headquarters here in Austin, Texas. That's for the, for Sedera health, Sedera.com, S E D E R A.com and the Karis group, Tony Dale, you, you know, let me just ask, let's just ask some basic questions. You, you have a generous heart and the Lord, I want to talk about Sidera just for a minute because we get, we're heading into a new year and it's too late for somebody to switch their healthcare plan for 2019, but they could do it mid, you know, then at the end of the first quarter or something like that. Sidera is really all set up because it's about generosity. It's about sharing. It's about a whole bunch of people coming together as companies and sharing healthcare costs and helping reduce healthcare costs. And you said to sometimes the, the healthcare sharing costs, when people do that, instead of buying health insurance, the savings can be monstrous. Talk about Sidera just really quick. I know you hate this because I always put you on the spot. And you're like, ah, Jim, come on. I just want to talk about the Lord. Great. I want to talk <laughs> about Sidera Health because it's the most unusual model in America for corporations. And it's transformative because it's got truth at the center of it. It's got the Lord at the center of it. And because you always said that all truth comes from God. Talk about Sidera. What is this all about? Okay, well, first of all, let me dispel a, a misconception that you communicated oh, there. Oh, oh. Uh, and, that's the and, third time I've blown something today already. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, the, the interesting thing there is most people think the only time you can switch mm -hmm. from one plan to another uh, is at open enrollment or something like that. No, insurance doesn't work that way. Uh, insurance is a two-way contract, uh, but the insurance company contracts with you uh, promising that they won't let you go before the end of the contract. But your contract with them does not bind you to them uh, for any set period of time. Uh, what binds you is you paying your premium. Uh, mm -hmm. So you, you can switch uh, from what you were doing to something new anytime you want just by stopping paying your premium. See, he really uh, just but, set that up to make sure you would really explain it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I just want to make sure you had a clear that's understanding. Very, that's of it. very good to know, though, because that doesn't mean, okay, I got to wait a whole another 12 months. It's like, no, I can check out and see what's really going to be good for us. I, I think that's really important. And yeah. it, it actually comes to the thing you alluded to that, uh, yeah, I mean, we do find that uh, people, generally speaking, are saving in the 40, 50, maybe as, uh, sometimes as much as 55 or 60 percent wow. uh, on their health cost uh, and dramatically cutting their out-of-pocket expenses. Uh, so it, it's definitely worth looking at. But, but maybe we go back to the core, uh, to, yeah. to where the concept of Sidera uh, came from. 
Uh, I'm guessing most of your listeners are familiar with the Christian healthcare sharing ministries. Yeah, like MediShare or Samaritan Ministries. Absolutely. And, and we love those people. And uh, in our first company, the Keras Group, uh, over the last 20, 25 years, uh, we've actually been uh, negotiating hundreds of millions of dollars of medical bills a year on behalf of those ministries mm-hmm. uh, and helping keep everybody's costs down. But those ministries are only available uh, to believers, to those who can sign the statement of faith. And even the way the Affordable Care Act exempted those people from the, the penalty of, uh, you know, what was in the Affordable Care Act, it, it did it in such a way that it limited the formation of new groups uh, and it limited the existing groups to only working with people who signed their faith statements. Mm. Uh, and so I, I said to myself, well, Lord, there has to be a way that we can take such a good approach and make it available to all people. I mean, the word of God teaches us to do good to all men, mm-hmm. but especially to the household of God. Uh, and so, uh, you know, we, we want to make sure that where we have really excellent working models of how to reduce medical costs, Uh, in a country that desperately needs answers for that. That's for sure. uh, That we find a way to make it available to everybody. Uh, And that's exactly what Sadira is. I mean, I won't bore people with the technicalities and the research and development that went into making it possible. We're just very thankful that you did it all. (laughs) Well, uh, and you have to give the credit and the glory to God. Mm. You know, sometimes I I say to people, if you look at what we're doing, it's clearly not rocket science. Uh, It's actually very straightforward. But it's only very straightforward once the Holy Spirit has, as it were, opened up, uh, you know, the eyes of your heart to to see how it can work. Mm. And so the basic principle, uh, yes, is one of generosity. You know, in the early Acts, it says that there were no needs among those Christians because whenever they had needs, they shared. Okay, let's update that 2,000 years and let's think of the sharing economy. Uh, And let's recognize that uh, sharing is not just a Christian tradition. Uh, You know, whether you're talking about Uber or Lyft or Airbnb, uh, you're talking about people who are sharing something they have, Mm -hmm. uh, a resource, uh, and in it, they're providing a service to others. Hmm. Okay, that's really the principle that's enumerated there uh, in the early part of Acts. Uh, But the Christians, as people of goodwill, were doing it uh, out of an extraordinary abundance, really an overabundance of generosity in very difficult situations. Healthcare to me is a bit like that, uh, that we have a desperate need. Uh, we have a system that is in the process of bankrupting the country. Uh, we have a model, uh, the insurance model, which I think began with really good intention. And if you look at the history of, of how health insurance grew up, it's really very different from property and casualty, where they were insuring against uh, an unexpected event. You know, we insure our, the, the roof of our house mm-hmm. in case we get hit by a hurricane, but we don't mind at all if we pay premium for 20 years and never have a claim. In fact, we feel that we've really done well. Health insurance is completely the opposite. People are spending money on insurance for something they know where they're going to have claims, and they feel like they've been hard done by if they don't get their, quote, money's worth. Mm. Uh, And health insurance has completely upended the whole concept of insurance, because it's not dealing with unexpected events. 
what it's dealing with is a very expensive way of prepaying uh, for fully expected and anticipated events, except in the occasional catastrophic situation. Uh, and one of the things that we and many others are doing is trying to help people to understand that the principles involved are going back to personal responsibility for the small stuff. And then using the, the principle of the law of large numbers, which is lots of people engaging together, sharing together to take care of the unexpected thing and doing that on a voluntary basis. Insurance is a contract. You're bound by law. And, and basically the feeling here in the States is, uh, and that's in case the insurance companies, you know, those bad boys don't pay, then I've got someone I can try and sue or chase. Well, that's one way of doing things, but it's extremely expensive. Uh, the contrast to that is saying, I trust you and I love you. Uh, and I'm joining in a voluntary association and we're going to make personal choices that lead to health. We're going to be in a community of people who actually care about each other and are not only going to share the cost, but are going to share the responsibilities of choosing to live healthy. And we're going to see where that goes and where it goes is it's been a powerfully effective way uh, of handling medical costs for people. And you now have, uh, how many companies are participating in Sidera? Do you have any idea now? Oh, I'm probably trying to, uh, you know, have classified information. Oh, no, 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 no. That's classified. Uh, if but, it's classified, no. But, uh, but uh, No, no, it's not classified. Oh, uh, you're we, being we, funny. We, we, we First deal. you tell me I make a mistake and I, 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 I misinform <laughs> people. Now you get, okay, go ahead. Uh, well, let's put it this way. We're dealing with thousands and thousands of lives yeah. uh, of companies, I think now in something like 40 plus states. Uh, and it, it's just been unbelievable watching how God is allowing this to explode over the landscape because this nation is ready for completely new approaches to how to handle fresh cost. ideas. That's no right. question. I, I just love the generosity behind all this. So let's take that. Go ahead, Martha. Well, I just wanted to remind our listeners that if this is it intriguing to them and they either themselves have some decision-making power or they, they can get connected to the person that does want to learn more about it. They can find out more at sedera.com S E D E R A.com. And um, although we were, we know now that we don't need to um, panic about the new year and making a decision um, every month that you can make a savings and make a good decision for your company is a, is a good time to do it. Well, and if you can, and if you could save that money, Tony Dale, 50, you know, let's say 40, 50% on healthcare premiums, think of how much more generosity can be planted towards being a, a caring for your own employees better, caring for your customers. I mean, that, that creates, loosens up a lot of wealth when you start looking at that. So let's talk to me about generosity. How did you, know, you watched your mom and dad demonstrate generosity. Right. But what if somebody doesn't have a mom or dad that they saw be generous? How do people learn to be generous? Well, that, that's a great question. And uh, obviously, for those of us who are Christians, you know, the, the Holy Spirit is working on our hearts. Uh, but I don't think generosity is just uh, something that only Christians practice. Well, we you know, know that's the case. Uh, I, I've lived in, in various cultures, and I've, I've watched generosity as a part of the human condition. Really, it's, it's an expression of compassion. Uh, and so, yes, we learn from watching each other. Uh, but if you've never had an example, there's nothing to stop you practicing on yourself. 
you know, Jesus tells the story of all the, the people walking into the temple and uh, and he says, and, you know, here were the, the wealthy religious leaders and others, and they, they were making a show of how much money they gave. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, dare I say, it's kind of like having your name uh, on it. Oh, and, you know, in the building campaign, we thank all these <laughs> you people. You got a brick. Get the brick. Uh, get the plaque. Uh, and, and, you know, people play on this uh, wanting to get credit for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think Jesus says, no, it's, it's very, very different from that. And, and he picks out and he says, now, look at that lady over there. Uh, and he says, you know, she's shuffling in. It's obvious she's poverty stricken. And, and, oh, look, she's putting some. Can you say, oh, it's that little brown coin. That's, that's probably just a penny. Mm. But I can l- see in her heart, that's everything she has. That's everything she has. And, you know, for, for the Christian believer, I think we have to understand that uh, generosity, and this is going to sound odd, uh, doesn't really represent that somehow I'm being generous. It represents that we recognize God gave us everything. Mm. It's all his. All we're doing is responding to what's already been given to us. Uh, and, you know, Jesus says, you know, that uh, what's required of a steward is that they be found trustworthy. Uh, if the Lord has entrusted us with financial wealth, uh, it's not ours. It's still his. Uh, and so what's required of us is that we be found trustworthy. This is just an, an expression in response to God's love. And we're talking about generosity today because it, it, it should define, as Christ followers, it should divine, define our very spirits. Yet a lot of us have had to, we, we don't know much about generosity. We don't, we, th- we think that giving is generosity or tithing is generosity, but Tony Dale, it's so much more. But when somebody, I, I mentioned before the break that there's a secret to generosity and, and it's, it's like a secret benefit to generosity because generous people, they look and feel different than people who hog it all for themselves. Mm. Talk about that secret of generosity. It's a biblical, it's not really a, a secret. It's all written throughout the scriptures. I mean, I printed out Bible verses and Bible verses and Bible verses. In fact, let me just read a couple of them. So, um, you know, given will be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap for, the, for with the measure you use that we measure to you. Proverbs 11, 24, 25 says, one who gives freely yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched and one who waters will himself be watered. You know, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord and will repay him for his deed. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. I found hundreds of verses on generosity. What's the secret to a generous person? Well, I mean, because there's like the secret hidden benefit to being generous. And that's a twist on it, but there's a secret benefit. Well, there, there's a huge benefit. Um, I mean, any, anyone who, uh, you know, has enjoyed the privilege of being able to give knows that uh, there, there's far more blessing. Just as Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Uh, and it really is. Uh, there, there's a, an incredible payback. But that isn't why you give. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the first of those verses you, you read, give and it will be given to you. Uh, I, I think that's been twisted in mm. some Christian circles into. <laughs> you yes. think so? Yeah. Uh, well, I guess I do. And obviously you agree with me. Um, uh, you know, it, we're, we're not manipulating God. Huh. 
what we're doing is we're responding to the nature of God. He, he's not saying you do it for the consequence. He's describing a spiritual principle that we reap what we sow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, built into, if you like, the law of the universe, the way God made it, uh, is that when we give, we do receive. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we receive in all sorts of ways that go way beyond uh, any money payback. Uh, and in fact, I think even an expectation that God has to, if you give money, he has to give you money back would be such a narrow uh, understanding of God because his love for us goes way beyond trying to take care of just our physical needs. Mm-hmm. You know, I think of anybody that who has ever worked with any teenagers in any any fashion, um, you know, say you do a, you know, this time of year, a lot of people go and they serve at a, a, a food bank or, you know, do something to give to others. And often the case will be some kids that kind of drag themselves in and they know they have to do this because it's been organized for them to do it. And by, you know, there's a tipping point where all of a sudden it becomes joyful and it's, they, they find this pleasure that they never expected to find by serving in an environment that they didn't want to be in. And that's, I, you know, I, just one example of what generosity can look like of, if, of when you give in that way, you get back um, something you didn't expect. And it's, it could be a joy. It could be a, um, you know, just a fulfillment of knowing that you've helped humanity or you've helped someone um, show them some love. Um, but sometimes when we get outside of ourselves and just give the way that transformation that can happen um, is just amazing. Jesus said, Tony Dale, that he came to set us free. Mm. And to me, that's what generosity does. When you meet somebody of great wealth, who's a generous person, they're free. Their money doesn't have a hold on them. Their stuff doesn't have a hold on them. Their garage of cars doesn't have a hold on when they're gen- actually most of the time they don't have a garage full of cars they've got a freedom that jesus promised us but that freedom comes and this is to me the secret to generosity they get a freedom because they're generous because their stuff doesn't have a hold on them anymore uh, i think what you're saying is actually incredibly important uh, that there's another verse in proverbs where uh, you know the writer says don't let me be so poor that i go out and steal or so rich that I try and live my life as, uh, without remembering you, God. Mm. Uh, and uh, I think you will often find when you uh, work with, with people who are being generous uh, that they've learned it's not how much I have. Uh, it's how I can use what I have to fulfill the call of God on my life. And I, I know we're you know, in our last segment and likely to run out of time. Uh, I'd like to suggest that for those who are serious about giving, there are some really powerful resources. Um, People should be, uh, you know, especially those like myself who uh, have been blessed with with much through God's provision. Uh, They should know about groups like National Christian Foundation. Oh, absolutely. Uh, They should know about groups like Waterstone. Uh, You know, if you go to waterstone.org, you you can learn about various methodologies of giving. Mm -hmm. Uh, And giving can be handled in very sophisticated ways. Uh, And so if, you know, there are Christian CEOs listening to this, I encourage you, don't just think that by, you know, giving 10% to your church, you've done your responsibility. (laughs) No, you are a steward of what God entrusts to you. 
uh, and you need to be as mature in your giving uh, and as diligent in it as you were in creating that wealth in the first place. And the beauty of it is when you realize that you're a steward and not an owner, and you realize that sometimes God will ask you to just give some of it away, much of it away, sometimes even all of it away, as in the, the widow who gave that one small little widow's mite, that, but that the freedom that comes with it, that, that none of that has a control, that it doesn't define who you are. You know, you're, you know, your car doesn't define you, your wealth doesn't define you, you're defined by your relationship with Christ. That's what generosity does. And the incredible freedom comes when you give it all away. Uh, I, I, I don't know what, I sort of feel free to share, but if I give one tiny little story, uh, we, we had started a Christian school back in London. We lived and worked in a very poor area of London. Uh, and, you know, God was blessing, good things were happening, but inadvertently, uh, we, we hadn't realized that uh, what we were charging and money that was being given and whatever, uh, we were running into the hole and running into the hole big ways. Uh, and uh, in the U.S., we would call that going to the red. Uh, we were going into the red, <laughs> okay. uh, very much into the red. Uh, and we were in a church where hardly anybody had any money. I mean, even though I was only working part time as a doctor, I had far more than most. Uh, and Felicity and I began praying about this. Uh, and we wondered, we just wondered, Lord, uh, are you asking us to sell our house and, and to give the money, uh, you know, uh, to clear this debt? Uh, and, you know, it's a big thing and, you know, housing's difficult in London as it could be anywhere else. Uh, we go to church that Sunday uh, and we'd been involved in asking one of the recent young converts to, to share something on this Sunday. Uh, and uh, so he had prepared something and he was all worried about what he was going to be sharing and whatever. And we said, oh, it's all going to be fine. It's going to be fine. And so he stands up and, and he begins to share about faith. And as he's sharing, he says, "And oh, it would be kind of like if the Lord asked Tony and Felicity to sell their house and give the money away. <laughs> and we're thinking, what? And he carries on talking about what he's saying. And then he says it again. And he says, oh, it'd be kind of like, you know, if the Lord asked Tony and Felicity to sell their house and give the money away. And we thought, well, Lord, you can't confirm it any clearer than that. I mean, here's this young believer, you know, where did he come up with an example like that? And it's exactly what you're challenging us to do. Wow. Now, you know, I'm, I'm so glad we had that experience because that has really helped shape us for this probably 40 years since that incident mm -hmm. to know that. I mean, if I just gave you the economics of that one transaction that maybe cost us, I don't know, 40,000 pounds, which the Lord had given back to us in spades in the way he took us into a rental house, but it was property owned by uh, the Queen's estate. They changed the rules and the Queen offered all of her tenants, which at that point included us, the ability to buy their house way below market value. Uh. God gave it all back to us within a year. Wow. Now, whether he had done that or not, I mean, the lessons learned in obedience are so powerful. And that's what I want to encourage your listeners. You know, generosity is not something grudging. God loves a cheerful giver. Amen. Uh, and it's so powerful. So give. Amen. And as we end the year, 
consider that gift. If you, the Lord's laid a passion on your heart for a local ministry or a local nonprofit, somebody that is touching your life, you know, don't just write a check for just a little check. Be generous, sell something, give it away, but be generous because it will transform your heart when you let go. Tony Dale, thanks for hosting us here in Austin, Texas. Thanks for sharing some of your story. Thanks again for being a gracious supporter of I Work For Him in 2018. And we are so grateful. Thank you, Tony Dale. Happy New Year. Thank you. Thank you. Make sure you check out Tony online with his company, Sidera.com. Sidera.com. You want to transform your healthcare in your company? Check it out online. Sidera.com. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers. Our workplace, it's our mission field, but ultimately, I, I work, work for him. him.